Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. We are starting this new series on uh, abiding in Christ. And as we start this and as we have had this time of worship together, I, I want you to make a declaration. I want you to try out a declaration before God for your own heart before we even look at this passage together. And it, it flows out of what we've been singing. And, and uh, every one of you have had people do things to you. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. Every one of you have, you have had people say things about who you are or what you are or about your worth or your value. What, what I want you to understand both in the worship this morning and in this passage of Scripture, in order for you to become all that God intends you to become, what Jesus has done for you has to be more real to you than what others have done to you. And what Jesus says about you has to be more real to you than what others have said about you. So I'd like you to try this declaration out. Would you say this after me? What Jesus has done for me. Okay, that was weak. All right, let's try it. All right, let's try it again. Ready? What Jesus has done for me is more real to me than what others have done to me. Okay, now the second one. What Jesus has said about me is more real to me than what others have said about me. In some way, if those two truths are not true for you, you will always struggle. You will always struggle because then the lies and the pain will be more real to you than Jesus is. And in many ways, when we sing these songs, when we worship together, when we look at His Word, if we do not exchange the lies for the truth, the lies will continue to have their hold over us. And what we're about to look at in Scripture is the key to the entire Christian life. It is yours if you are in Christ, and it is yours in a way that can cause you to be the person you always wanted to be. But if you are still saying, my pain is more real to me, or what people have cursed me with is more real to me, or what so-and-so said about me is more real to me, then what will happen is that these lies will eclipse the truth, and that is not for you. So as we read this passage together, and we're going to take it apart week by week, a little bit at a time, as we read this passage together, Jesus is speaking to you, His disciples. When He originally spoke these truths, He actually took His disciples into a vineyard. And they were standing by the vines. They were in the vineyard with the vines. They were... They were seeing the branches. They were seeing the fruit, the grapes that were beginning to ripen. And so as he showed them that object lesson, then he taught them about life in Christ. So would you read this passage with me? This is just a portion of chapter 15. We read it out loud. I believe when we read as, as a church, we're worshiping God together. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I don't know where Ron went. Is Ron? This thing's crackling. And I have enough adult ADD that that will bother me. Can we switch to this one? This one? Okay. All right, so let me, uh, let me start off by just talking about my own observation of life, particularly as I get older. Um, I heard an illustration one time that said, suppose you were in a, a, a building and you needed to go to the second floor, but there was only a down escalator. And uh, if you've ever tried to go up a down escalator, you will know that to go up a down escalator takes incredible energy, takes incredible intention. So if you know you've got to go up, but the escalator is going down, it is a constant struggle. But if you want to go down, all you have to do is do nothing. And so if you can look at the way that this world is, the way this life is, in many ways, being a Christian in this world is trying to go down, go up a down escalator. And there are plenty of people on the escalator who are trying to help you go the way that they're going. And all you have to do to go backwards is stop, is just do nothing. And what happens for many of us is we do not realize how quickly we become very, very cynical how quickly we become skeptical. And even when we see other people who are positive, who are hopeful, we just, we take, we want to take the wind out of their sails. We want to pop their balloon. We think that they're just, they're not really getting it. They should be as miserable as we are. And so the first time I ever really discovered how prevalent this was, I was a missionary in, uh, in, in my twenties. So at 27, I took Lisa, and my two kids, and we were going to plant churches in Mexico City. We were, we felt a call to go to Mexico City to plant churches. And so before you go and plant churches, you have to learn the language. So the mission organization I was a part of, they sent us to paradise. They sent us to Costa Rica. I don't know if you've ever been to Costa Rica, but it is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. It is very inexpensive to live there. The people are friendly. There are beaches on both sides and you can get to them in an hour. I mean, it's just amazing. This place, and, and I loved Spanish. I loved learning Spanish. I loved Spanish culture. I loved every aspect. Every day I rode the bus and talked to people and learned all this new stuff. Well, this one guy that was on the missionary team with us, he came about three months in when I was, had been there for about three months. And he was about six years older than me. So I was 27, he was about 33. 
And so, you know, I was all excited. I said, you're going to love Costa Rica. You know, we're learning the languages, so much fun. And, and, and we're going to be able to share the gospel with people and we're going to, we're going to start churches. And I was just full of all this enthusiasm. And he looked at me and he said, I don't want to hear anything else from you. And I'm like, what? He goes, you, you have no understanding whatsoever. You don't, you'll never understand what I have done to get here. I said, what do you mean? He said, I, had, I was a pastor of a church. I was successful and I left it. I had a home. I owned my own home and I left it. I've brought my wife and my kids and we're living in a dump of an apartment. And we're, you know, I don't understand the language here. I don't understand the people here. He said, you don't understand. I've lost everything. <laughs> I wanted to say to him, why the heck are you here? Who do you think? I mean, you think? that this kind of cynicism and skepticism and trying to put down anybody and everybody who's hopeful and happy and joyful in some way, your sacrifices are so important that you think you can just dump your bitterness and poison on everybody? Go home. Don't, don't, what, are you, what kind of gospel are you going to even share with these people? But, you know, I was 26 and he didn't listen to me. And at 27, he didn't listen to me because he was 33 and so much older and wiser. And you look at this, and I, what I'm trying to say to you is, it doesn't. You don't have to be 70 to be skeptical. You don't. You don't. Ha I mean, here's a guy who was going to the mission field and thought he was doing it for God, and thought that God owed him because of his sacrifices. And in doing so, he was full of bitterness. He was full of anger. He was full of fear and anxiety. And what I began to realize as I ran into people all through my life who are going down the down escalator and trying to take other people down with them is that we generally have some default settings that have to be changed if we're to grow. If you're to go forward, if you're not just to be swept along by the downward pull of the escalator, then you have to begin to realize that there are some default settings in you that when you face trouble in this world or when life doesn't go the way you expect it to go, and you have to begin to realize you cannot go to those default settings. The first one that many of us have is that when we feel a bit, when we feel despairing or we feel like life isn't going the way we want it to go, the first one that many of us have is we get angry. How can this happen to me? Or why does this always happen to me? I take a couple of steps forward, I get knocked three steps back. It's kind of an angry despair. The second one is people have a guilty despair. What did I do wrong? Should I have read my Bible more? Should I have prayed more? Should I have gone to church at 8.30 in the morning on Sunday, every Sunday? You know, so that, that God will bless me. There's a guilty kind of despair. And then there's people who eventually get to the place of skepticism and hardness. And they say, I just won't care anymore. It hurts too much to care. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you, at least one of these three fits you. And possibly all three of them at different times, depending on the circumstance. But I'll tell you about Lisa and me. You see, I grew up in a certain theology that said that, you know, on the, in a negative way of putting it, everything is God's fault, so I was always angry. So whenever bad things would happen in our life, I was yelling at God, oh, how can you let this happen to me? I prayed, I, you know, I fasted, how could this possibly happen to me? And Lisa grew up in a, 
totally different theological tradition, and her tradition was everything's our fault. So when bad things would happen, she would have that guilty kind of despair, but then she would blame me, you know. So uh, <laughs> she's like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You know, kind of, kind of a thing. So I'm mad at God, she's mad at me. You know, and so instead of, in our marriage, instead of like troubles or trials or challenges bringing us together, it tore us apart. I hope I'm getting across to you how important this is. You see, if you try to live the Christian life in your own natural power, you'll get angry and frustrated. If you try to live this Christian life in your own power, you'll feel guilty and ashamed because you didn't do enough. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't worshipped enough you haven't whatever enough or you'll get to the place and this is the worst of the three friends you'll get to the place of a hardness of heart where you're a skeptic you're a cynic and not only will you destroy your own ability for joy you'll try to destroy the joy of others because you'll 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 not be able to stand it that somebody has more hope or more joy or more faith than you have these things are life-changing when you begin to realize my default setting, my natural tendencies are not for my good. So how can I grow? How can I continue to move up that down escalator without becoming cynical is what Jesus teaches about in John chapter 15. Now, the four things this morning that we're looking at, three of them are pictured in this picture. There's a vine... Then there are the branches, there's the fruit, and all of this, Jesus says, is the product of the work of the vine dresser. Now, I want you to see this picture for a reason. Do you see that the vine itself, it looks more like a stem. The vine is up to the, the meeting point of the two branches. I want you to see that because when we start talking about how, how the Father prunes the branches, how the Father works with the branches, He's not, he's not going to cut off. You see, how the, you see the vital connection with the stem there. Those branches, there's a, there's a solidity, there's a substance to those branches. And as those branches are flourishing then what you see is beautiful fruit. Alright, so would you say this with me? The vine, the branches, the fruit, and the vine dresser. These are the four things you need to know in order to grow. And you need to know them in an intimate way. So let's start with Jesus who says He is the vine or He is the stem. And the reason that you can go up the down escalator. The reason that you can jump out of your default settings is because as a Christian, you have an intimacy with Christ that's like nothing else that's ever happened to you. Now, you've got to understand where this stem, where this vine is coming from. When Jesus, when Jesus came into this world, he was bringing what was true of another world. He was bringing what was the reality of another place other than this world. You understand, He couldn't just take this world and make it a better world. He had to bring something from a place that had no corruption. 
He had to bring something from a place where the up, ele- the up escalator goes up, not trying to go up a down escalator. He had to bring something from another place that had a power that was greater and uncorruptible. Jesus didn't just come here to set an example. He brought what was true of heaven and He inaugurated it, He initiated it into this earth. And He is the connector. He is the stem, the vine that is utterly connected to everything that is true of heaven. And when you connect to Him, you are connecting no longer having your source being in this world, but having your source being in that world. So that's a world where there is no death, where there is no cancer. It's a world where people are not prideful and selfish and self-centered. It's a place where there is no more sin, there is no more sickness, there is no more death. And when you connect to the vine, you are connecting to the life of that world. You see, what, what, what this makes clear, and I'll hit this many, many times, Christianity is not simply a morality. It isn't you simply saying, oh, Jesus is just alright with me, and so I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to live and be a little kinder, and I'm going to be a little healthier, and all like that. The problem with that, friend, is number one, you won't really do it. And you won't do it for Him, you do it for you. And even people who change their lives because they are afraid of hell or they're afraid of punishment, they're still doing it not because they love God, but because they fear the consequences. And the Scripture doesn't say, fear the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You can fear Him in your default setting, but you can only love Him being connected to heaven. And so what happens is people try on Christianity. And they try to get a, be a little better person. But even trying it on is like going up the down escalator. Eventually you say it just doesn't work. Even in churches all across America, people come to the altar broken. They come to the altar crying. And they're like, oh God, I promise I will do better. If they do that, I slap them in Jesus' name. And I'll say, you're not listening. You're not listening. You've got nothing. You're a branch. Branches cannot get nutrition from the soil without the vine. You are not connected to heaven. You're not the vine. You're nothing more than a branch. You'll never bear fruit. You'll never have life. You'll never have grow growth in your life unless you're connected to the stem that's connected to heaven. And so what happens is some people even kind of have this sort of twisted, counterfeit Christianity where they think they're good Christians, where they think they're good people, and they have missed the entire point of what Jesus is teaching. Now, you can say to me, Jesus is utterly wrong, but when Jesus teaches what Christianity is, that's all Christianity is. There is no other Christianity. Without Jesus, it's just your religion. It's just somebody else's made-up junk. 
And you might as well go play golf on Sunday or, or barbecue or do whatever else. But if you believe that Jesus is who He says He is, then the only Christianity is vine branch Christianity. And therefore, the only way for you to survive and then grow to thrive is if you are vitally connected in an intimacy with God through the vine. It's no other way than to be in union with Christ, to be connected to Christ. If a branch is on its own, it cannot connect to the nutrition. It can't connect to the soil. And the soil that Jesus has connected us with is not one you can connect to on your own. It's the very soil of the realm of heaven. It's the power of heaven. That's why Paul says that the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. It is encountering a power. Now, let me take this further with you. This relationship that Jesus has with you as a person, the vine to the branch, is deeper than any relationship you have on this earth. The reason He uses the picture of the vine and the branch is because every other relationship, though it has influence, does not have continual connection. Even the marriage relationship, which can have deep physical connections and and can have deep emotional connections, yet still, it's more sporadic. For example, I've been married to Lisa for 38 years. I guarantee you, I will tell you without even... Uh, you know, batting an eye, everything I do, I think about what she's going to think about what I do. I, hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy this jacket. What's, Jesus, what's Lisa going to think? I don't say. I don't think. What is Jesus going to think? I think. What is Lisa going to think? Okay, I'm going to spend this money. Uh oh, what's she going to say? You know, kind of a thing. But here's the deal. If I really want it, I'm going to do it. You know, I mean, it, it, because she's she's not giving me life. She can give me heck, but she's not going to give me, you know, she's not giving me life and stuff. And so, so I'll go. Well, I'm just going to do this. And I mean, if she's mad, she's mad or whatever. And 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 so, I, what I'm saying is, I'm really connected to her. She's really an influence, but yet it's sporadic in a sense. It's not continuous. In other words, you think about it, the branch cannot exist without the vine. The vine gives it life. The vine gives it everything that the vine is. There is no other connection like this. He couldn't even use marriage to talk about your connection to Him. He had to talk about the connection of a vine and the branches. Now, what, why is that? Well, number one reason is this. What has happened is everything that is true of Jesus is now true of you. He has interjected His DNA into your DNA. It is not simply that He exists and you exist. It is now that the DNA of the vine, everything that is true of the vine, everything that is true of heaven, everything that is true of the very nature of God is now true of you. This is why it becomes essential that you have a prayer life. This is why it is absolutely activating to have faith. There are so many things that you will never experience until you believe them. And what we want is to experience them, experience them and then we'll believe them. 
But see, what Jesus is saying, He's saying, whether you know it or not, whether you understand it or not, you have been vitally connected and I have taken everything that's true of me, everything about my character, everything about my capacity, all my wisdom, everything that I am, and I have I have interjected it. I have penetrated into the very DNA of your structure and, and it is now Jesus. Paul, uh, Peter says it this way. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And then he says, through his precious promises, he has made you partakers of the divine nature. See, if you're sitting there and you go, well, you know, I'm just not, I'm not as spiritual as I should be. I'm not as, I'm not as good as I should be. Do you understand? You are believing a lie and your perspective is all wrong. Because again, who are you focused on? The branch. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I, I hear people sometimes, they'll say something like, I'm just not worthy of the love of God. And again, you know, in all love, I just want to slap them upside the head a few times and say, stop saying that. That's irrelevant. No one is worthy of the love of God. This is why we have to be branches in the vine is because we're not worthy. We have to be branches in the vine because we got nothing to bring to God. But once we settle that issue that we've been enemies of God, but He's been our friend, once we settle the issue that we've hated Him, but He's loved us, once we settle the issue, we have nothing in our hands and we, we realize He has connected everything He is and everything He has to us. There is nothing lacking except your faith to activate it. And you will only grow in this. You have the potential of greatness, my friend, but you'll only grow in this if you will grow in intimacy with Jesus. And intimacy isn't formed by begging. You know, for example, a lot of times what people will do, and, and this, is, this is classic, and I've probably told you it before, but I'm going to hit it again, because people will say to me, I'm not a very patient person. Anybody in New York or New Jersey can say that. I, I mean, it's, all you have to do, all you have to do is drive on the roads and you know no one is patient. Alright? Alright, so, all of us have this issue with patience. So what people will do, they'll come to me and say, Pastor, I was praying for more patience. And I say, I'll say to them, what happened? They say, well, everything in my life went, went wrong. Everything that I, everything that I expected didn't happen. People just got in my way. All kinds of stuff. And, and said, God isn't answering my prayer. And I said, wait a minute. Maybe one, your prayer's wrong. But maybe two, he's answering in a way you don't expect. Because what he's trying to do is to show you what you're asking is you want more willpower so that you'll be patient. You want more strength of will so that you can tolerate people and things longer. If he gives you that, who gets the glory? Your will. Your patience. It's not fruit. It's a work. Notice what Jesus says, so that you may bear much fruit. Fruit is different than work. Fruit is something that, that comes from the inner fullness of your soul. Plus, if you're just willing yourself to be patient, you're not really patient. You're just restraining your anger. You're just restraining yourself. That's not freedom. That is like, that, that is like constipation, really. I mean, it's just, you're waiting 
for the verbal diarrhea to come forth <laughs> in a certain point in time. So that's not fruit, friends. So what is God doing if you say, oh Lord, I really would like more patience. Then He shows you how empty and broken your patience is. And He gives you exact measurements of the limitations of your patience so that then you will surrender to the vine where there's all patience. Because in the vine is the patience of Jesus waiting to be formed and fulfilled in you. Because when it's Jesus' patience manifesting in you, you don't go, oh man, I'm patient. No, you go, glory to God, I have a patience that I can't explain. I have an inexplicable patience where I used to be so angry. And then the glory goes to God because, and, and, and this is true of any of the, the, any of the traits that you want in your life. For example, you could say, I want to be courageous. Well, guess what happens if you say, I want boldness or courage? You know what he's going to do? He's going to show you your fear. Because he's going to want you to see your fear and how it's disconnected from the vine so that you'll realize, hey, I have tried to attach to something that can't give me courage. And then when you see that and you renounce your fear and you say, that won't be my power source anymore. And when you renounce that and you say, but my power source is the line of Judah who's roaring with power, then suddenly this meek little you and this shy little you becomes bold. Because you're not so self-conscious anymore. Am I making sense to some of you? Why am I saying this? Well, because this is the only way it works. I mean, you can beat your head up against the wall for the rest of your life if you want to. But I have a feeling you're here at 8.30 in the morning because you want more. Or because you're going to the beach. I don't know. <laughs> so you're the branches, Jesus says. He's the vine. He is the only bridge that you and I have that is rooted in heaven. He's the only source of the nutrition of heaven for your soul. There is no other source of this power. You can clean up your act, but your heart won't be changed. And the real issue in your life, my friend, is really your heart. Your heart is the place that you have the greatest control over. Your heart is the control center of your being. It's where what you really believe and what you're really committed to, what you really trust, that's your heart. And that's the place God is always trying to get at. He doesn't care how you clean up your behavior if you haven't had a transformed heart. A morally restrained heart is of no value to God. It's still a fake. It's still a counterfeit. That's why religion and religious practices alone are just external righteousness and Jesus is always about the heart. So, the heart, Jesus is saying, gets uprooted from your natural soil. It gets planted in the supernatural nature of Jesus Christ Himself. And the Bible calls this regeneration. That you have a new heart. That your heart has a new source. Oh, man. See, that's, I don't know, I hope I'm getting at the emotion for you because it, to me it's so powerful because I tried to be a good person. 
I tried to be not so angry. I tried to be better. I tried to live in a way that I thought, okay, this is going to get God's approval. I tried to live and say, you know, I think about that guy who was a missionary who told me I gave up all of this. You know what? He was a branch trying to prove himself to the vine. Do you understand what this is saying? This is saying that because of this transformation where your heart has been uprooted and replanted in the nature of Christ, you don't work for approval. You work from approval. You don't work for His favor. You work from a place of His favor. And if I were your enemy, I would try to blind you to that. I'd try to get you to see all the places your deficits are. All the places where you failed. I'd try to keep you focused on your past. I'd try to keep you in that feeling of shame and unworthiness and guilt. Because you see, all of those are irrelevant. You could be the worst branch in the world here today. I mean, you could be the most scuzzy, awful person in this room. And we'll figure it out before you go. (laughs) But this is saying it doesn't matter because something supernatural has happened where your heart has been taken out of all of that miry stuff and it has been replanted in the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is rooted and grounded in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everything that's true of the Trinity is now flowing in your heart. Only Alan gets it. Do you understand? I mean, you being down on yourself, how does that make sense? You beating yourself up thinking that's atoning for something, how does that make sense? You getting lost in what you could have, should have, would have done, how does that make any sense? That's you saying, I'm going to go down the down escalator instead of going up it. That better be God. I'm sorry. Once I get going, it's not good. <laughs> so what are we talking about? It's saying the power generator to be what you always wanted to be. The power generator to be that person of fullness and destiny. That is only in this union with Christ, abiding in Christ, connected to Christ. The roots of this vine take you into the very character of God. Wow. Think about it. All the courage you could ever need is in Him. All the love you could ever need. That's why I get so upset when people go, oh, I just am not worthy. Shut up, stupid. You know? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's not helping you. It isn't about worthiness. It isn't, I mean, understand something. If you were worthy, you wouldn't need a vine. If you were worthy, you could just be the vine. But since you're not worthy, He is your vine. Instead of it, instead of it keeping you from the vine, it should be causing you to run in intimacy with the vine. Do you understand? He knows exactly how unworthy you are. He knows exactly how impatient, lacking in courage, lacking in love, selfish, self-centered. He knows all of that. And yet He said, I want to transform you by My character. And I have injected into your character everything that is true of Me. But it's only activated by you surrendering. It's only activated by you believing. 
I mean, have you given up on yourself? People who are numb in their emotions have given up. People who are frustrated and angry all the time are still thinking, I can create a life for myself. People who are, who are guilty and ashamed are trying to atone for their mistakes so that the future will not have so many mistakes. But the truth is, the more you focus on your mistakes, the more mistakes come. None of these work. Now, the other thing is this, have you given up on somebody else? You understand? The worst person, the most prodigal of sons or daughters, all they need is a connection to the vine. All they need to start over, to have a new chance, is to have a new stem. One that is rooted in heaven. One that is rooted in the very love of God and the character of God. So here's what Jesus says. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that He may bear more fruit. I, I've known this verse my whole life. I started memorizing this Scripture when I was probably about five or six years old. You know, I did it in King James, so sometimes it comes out with these and thous. But, uh, but I learned this since I was a kid, but I never had such a deep experience as I've had this week with the, this realization. The whole activity in your life, everything that's going on in your life, every single thing that's going on in your life, your Heavenly Father is actively involved. It is so easy to see that you've got this Father up in heaven, He's far and He's distant, and He seems like He's scowling, or He, you know, he thinks you're not doing a good enough job, or whatever. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm the one who's connected you to the very character of God. I'm the one who's connected you to the power of heaven. All the nutrition your soul needs flows through me. But the one who is making it to where everything in your life is connecting in a way that brings fruit, fruit that satisfies, fruit that makes you into the person you always wanted to be. And the one who's doing that's the Father. He's gardening every day. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, Father, I'm sorry. And I'll tell you emotionally why this was somewhat of a struggle for me. When I was growing up, I never had any trouble with Jesus. It was always like, oh yeah, Jesus my Savior. That was an easy thing. I need a Savior because I know I'm a sinner. <laughs> my mother pretty much told me every day I was a sinner who needed a Savior. <laughs> but my dad was a mean man. And when I was about seven, he would work ten hours a day and come home, wake me up and beat me. And I remember praying at night, please don't let him come home. You know, I, I just, I had such a hatred of my, my father. I had such fear of my father. I had such hatred of authority. I could, I, even as a kid, I could just really relate to Jesus. I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I didn't want to go to hell. So I, 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 I as a you know, teenager, gave my life to Christ. But I always had this kind of image of the father far off. In some ways, I wanted him there because the father I had in life, I wanted him far off. And the, the thought of a loving father and the thought of a father who was, who was intimately involved in every single circumstance of my life, intimately involved in the way I think about things, the way I feel about things. Because not only was my father mean, but he had no time for me. 
And as I would try to tell him the stories of the day, he's like, God, son, just shut up. You know, I'm watching TV. And, and so that sense here, I don't know if I can convey it as well as I'm feeling it, but that sense, my friends, that your Father is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that Father is not letting a single circumstance in your life, He's not letting a single thing in your life happen that isn't about making you into the branch you always wanted to be. Making you into the branch that bears much fruit, that is so fruitful that baskets full are being produced by your life. That's your Father. But your Father is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, too, with my Father, I hated to ask Him for anything. But when I would ask Him, and particularly for money, it was so painful. I, I was a tennis player and I, was, I, I qualified for, for these national tournaments. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, can, is there any way that you can have the money so I could stay in a hotel and so I could pay my entrance fees? And my father said, no, absolutely not. And, and, and so there was this part of me, and I, you know, I wanted to play. So I went and found a job, and I worked at a job, and I made enough money so I could pay my own way. But in doing so, I, I became a branch who was independent because I didn't expect anybody else to be someone I could rely on. I didn't expect anybody else to be someone I could depend on. And here, Jesus, who depended utterly on the Father, He said, I do nothing except what I see the Father doing. I say nothing except what I see the Father saying. Here's Jesus who's utterly dependent on His Father. When He had a long day, you know where He went? To be with His Father. And this is who He's given us. He's given His Father as the vine dresser of your branch. Doesn't that matter to you? And what He ensures is that you bear fruit. And, and, and it's two kinds of fruit that He wants you to bear. There's a, an outer fruit and there's an inner fruit. But the way to look at this is He wants you to know fulfillment. Okay, look at your neighbor, if you can tolerate him. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, fulfillment. fulfillment. Say it one more time, fulfillment. fulfillment. Now, now, I know I'm, I'm trying to get you to kind of interact with me, but I want your soul to feel this. Do you not understand that in the depth of your soul, you have tried to fulfill yourself with things that can't fulfill? What the Father is saying is, let me be your vine dresser because I know how to get you to the place of fulfillment. Doesn't that matter to you? I don't want to live an unhappy life. I don't want to live cynically. You don't get to numbness through happiness. Okay, But in order for fulfillment... He has to give you fullness. Alright, now listen. Here's the will of God for you. You may already be asleep. I don't know, but wake up. In 2 Corinthians 9.8, God, this is your Father, this is the vine dresser, is able to make all grace abound to you. Do you, any of you like abounding? I'm sick of surviving. Right? Doesn't anybody get tired of just surviving? Abounding is not surviving, it's thriving. He has all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, does that appeal to anybody? Yes. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's fulfillment. Yes, 
That's the Father's plan for you. Why are you resisting it? You stupid branches. You won't forget. I'm a professional speaker. I do these things on purpose. Well, the reason is because we don't have the inner fruit. You see, do you understand Ephesians 2.10 says you're the Father's workmanship. You're His masterpiece. You may think you're just nothing. You're trash. You're nothing. He says, no, you're my masterpiece. The Father's masterpiece. That's who you are. And He has prepared good works for you beforehand. You see, there are a thousand things you haven't experienced yet. And they're all the things the Father has laid out for you. And He wants you to walk. That's the fulfillment. But in order for that to happen, He has to produce the inner fruit. And the inner fruit is fullness. It's abundance from within. It's overflowing from within. It's peace, patience, joy, faith, love, hope, self-control, kindness. All of these things that are listed in Galatians 5.22. You see, He doesn't want you to work without fullness. And you can't have fullness unless the vine dresser starts to work. Alright, I hear the music, so i got to talk fast. <laughs> so I've always asked this question. Remember the picture. Remember the stem and the branches. These giant... Can you imagine a vine dresser just cutting off those big, huge branches? That doesn't make sense, does it? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of weight. It's a lot of potential. So I've always wondered why it does it say here that any branch that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts it, cuts it off. And uh, so I looked, probed into it a little further. There's a book called Secrets of the Vine. And in this book, the Bruce Wilkinson actually talks to a vine dresser. And he says, he says, what a vine dresser finds is a branch can easily begin to grow in the wrong way. And as a matter of fact, because of the heaviness of the branch and because of the, the weight of it, it starts to go under the vine. And when it starts going under the vine, what happens is it goes down into the dirt. Now, if that isn't a picture of getting off course, I don't know. You get out of the light. You go into the dark. You find yourself going into the dirt. And, and so Bruce Wilkinson says, well, as a vine dresser, what do you do? if that branch starts to go down, under, and then it goes into the dirt, he says, what you do is you lift it up. He says, you don't cut it off. It's too valuable. It's too valuable. He said, what you do is you begin to give it attention. You begin to give it more care. You begin to orient it to the, to the light. You begin to clean the dust off and the dirt off. And you put it up in the light so that it can bear much fruit. And if you look at this, the Greek word that Jesus uses here, that John writes, it says He takes it away because it doesn't bear fruit. But it could literally mean He takes it to the light. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gone off course at times. I stopped bearing fruit. I went into the dirt at times. So, I'm going to tell you one of the stories and how the vine dresser dealt with me. I don't know if you've noticed, but I have far more confidence than I have ability. 
You know, I, have, I was born with confidence. I don't know why my wife laughs at me all the time. Because I don't care if I can't do it, I'll play like I can. You know, I mean, it just, I always had this kind of confidence. And some of it was arrogance and pride. And so I would pray and I would say, Lord, oh, I, I take away my pride. But the Lord never takes away what you're clinging to. So, in 1997, 21 years ago, I got this incredible privilege to go to Cali, Colombia. And the night that, this one night that I was ministering, I had a Pentecost experience. Suddenly, I could speak anything I needed to speak in Spanish. I could hear everything that people were saying, and I actually could hear what they weren't saying. I was feeling their sicknesses in my own body before they even told me, and when I would pray, every sickness was immediately healed. Every person that was demonized was set free. I mean, I saw back straight and I saw legs, you know, people walked that hadn't walked. I saw, you know, every kind of thing. And um, it was so powerful that this one drug dealer, who was a bit major drug dealer in that area of Kali, saw the power of God. He came forward, pushed it through the whole crowd and said, I want to give my life to the Jesus I see tonight. And he gave his life right there and got filled with the Spirit. And it was one of the most amazing nights. And as it was happening, I could feel the compassion of Jesus meeting the pain of the people. And all I was was just, I was just there. You know, I was just, um, you know, an instrument that he was using. I felt my own unworthiness. I felt his holiness, all this stuff. So as I started telling the story, at first I was really telling what Jesus did. But after a while, I was realizing, you know, nobody saw what I was doing. I was the one praying over people. I was the one saying the words to people. I was the one... So, uh, a little by little, Mike got a little bigger in the story. You know, my hope was I would have, you know, I'd turn into Benny Hinn and be, be, have a world... No, I'm kidding. A worldwide ministry. But, uh, but what happened is, as I became bigger in the story, Jesus became smaller in the story. And I went into a six-month depression. And it was one of the worst depressions I've ever experienced in my life. It was like a, a blueness came over and just this kind of funk just fought. And I went to a, a trusted older minister who I knew heard from the Lord. And I said, I, I just can't seem to shake this. And he listened to the Lord and he looked at me and he said, the Lord says to me, you stole my glory. Now, if you know your Bible at all, God says, I will share my glory with no one. It's one of the worst things that you could possibly do. And the minute he said that, I knew it was true. And all oh, it's like the blood drained out of my body. All energy drained out of my body. And so we were staying in, in this little town in, in Georgia, Tacoa. And we were at this day's end. And I raced back to the day's end because I had no energy. I had no strength left. And I, I, I said, Lord, I need a word. And I don't recommend doing this, but there was a Gideon Bible there and I did Christian roulette. You know, you just, where you open it, flip it to whatever it turns to and you read it and hope God will speak to you kind of thing. Now, I'm a professional, so don't, don't try that at home. Uh, but I did. I was just so desperate. I was so, oh, I was just so, so, you know, deeply, uh, convicted by what I had done. And as I flipped open, and now if you ever have done that, you usually turn to the Psalms because the Psalms are in the middle of the Bible. But guess where it turned to? John 15. 
and to this verse 3. And here's what I read. You are already clean by the Word I have spoken to you. So immediately, it was like the ink came off the page and the blood came back into my system and I was cleansed from head to toe. Now, I believe that I'll wrestle with ego, pride, selfishness until one day after I die. Okay, but something broke in me where I absolutely know I'm the branch, He's the vine. The life that I have, anything that I ever see of results or outcomes, they're the fruit but it gives me such fullness because it's not being blocked by pride. See, the Father knows how to cleanse. The Father knows how to get you out of the dirt. He knows how to lift you up because to you, you may not think you're valuable, but to Him, you are valuable. And He wants you to abound. Will you stand with me? Are you hearing me today? I told more personal stories today because I want you to understand this. This is not a concept. This is a truth that transforms. This is real stuff. But nobody can keep you connected but you. I mean, you can put my, you can put this sermon and you can listen to it all day and I'll preach to your soul. But at some point, it's you who has to decide, I'm the branch. You're the vine. All the power that I need, all the character that I need, the fullness that I need, the fulfillment that I'm looking for, it will only come through the vine. And when the vine dresser starts showing you your pride or your selfishness or your impatience, you don't run from Him. You run to Him. You don't stay in the dirt. You let Him lift you up to the light so that by His Word you will already be cleansed. Oh, please, let this go deep inside. Danny's, uh, Danny's little girl, Sasha, doesn't say to her mother, remember this. She says, put it in your brain. <laughs> I'm saying to you today, in the words of Sasha, put this in your brain. Come on, friends. There's a thousand, a thousand things the Father has prepared for you. And you've yet to experience them. Oh, but they're good. They're fulfilling. They don't make you cynical. They make you tender and strong and full of life. Lord, will You please, right now, hmm. let there be fruit, Lord. The only way we know we're connected is fruit. And the fruit is pretty observable in our lives. The patience, the love, self-control, the kindness, inexplicable ways that we're no longer self-centered, we're not prideful, inexplicable ways that we feel love for people we never loved before who are nothing like us. It's fruit that can only be attributed to our connection. Would you say this with me? I and mean, would you try these words out? Lord Jesus, You are the vine. I am the branch. Father, You are the vine dresser. I want to abound in every good work at all times 
with everything I need. I open up my heart to Your fullness. Some of it is allowing the reality that you're not full without Him. That you can't be full without Him. And then realizing He always wanted to fill you. You were blocking Him. Next week we'll talk more about how He he orchestrates your life so that you can really, really produce incredible fullness. But we'll seal it here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.